0: Well, I'm excited this morning to welcome you to 2020. Is it possible? And I thought about that and kind of a, an image that would help us, and I thought, well, this this is going to help us. Oh, wait, wait, not that 2020. No, no, how about this, this one? This 2020, okay? And so uh, our focus today is going to be the new year that God has invited us into, has uh, prepared us for, even if we may not feel prepared for a new year. We may have barely straggled out of the past year. We may not be ready for the new challenges uh, to come, but we want to listen for the voice of Jesus in this new year. We want to see if he's speaking to us, asking us any questions as we begin uh, a new year. Uh, Think of the Gospels and Uh, often what's significant in the Gospels isn't the questions that we ask, it's the questions that Jesus asks. Uh, As you go through, a lot of times when we ask questions in the Gospels, uh, those questions uh, aren't always answered, which is striking. People ask questions of Jesus, and he maybe answer a question with a question. But he often invites us to answer questions, and studying those questions is quite interesting. For example... At the end of Luke, in Luke 24, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, uh, one of the first people that Jesus appears to is two disciples who have given up hope, and they're kind of throwing in the towel, they're going back home to a town called Emmaus, and Jesus is walking with them, and they tell them what's going on in their lives, and why they're so discouraged, and he stops and says, what things? What things? Jesus is interested in the things that are going on right now in your heart, in your life. The things that concern you, the things that delight you, the things that create fear or anxiety or worry. Jesus is interested in what's going on in your lives. He wants to hear from us what's going on, what things Then he came to two men who were struggling and crying out for Jesus, and people were trying to hold them back and keep them away from Jesus. And uh, they had specific uh, challenges and troubles in their life physically, and probably emotionally and relationally as well. And he stopped and asked them, Do you want me, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus cares what's going on in your life. Jesus cares what we want him to accomplish in our lives because there's things that only Jesus can do that we can't do in our own strength our own effort what is it in 2020 that you want me to do for you and then following the answer of those two uh, individuals Jesus asks a follow-up question do you want to be whole do you want to be whole and all of us are broken in different ways many ways. We live on a broken planet with broken people. We have broken hearts. Sometimes our minds get broken. Our spirit can be broken. Do you want to be whole? Jesus offers us the wholeness that comes not through physical or mental or spiritual or emotional or financial perfection, but he offers us wholeness. Wholeness of life. And we want to discover as we start a new year we want to think about how we can come to experience some of that wholeness some of those things that God can do only for us and so uh, I'm looking at a verse that uh, turns out I look back and I used this verse last year I'm using it again but the structure is completely uh, different and the the uh, scriptures are different as well but the kind of the grounding scripture for the next several weeks is this in Luke 2 52, where we read that Jesus grew. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and in favor with people. New translation called The Voice said, and Jesus kept on growing. I want to start with a question for you. Are you planning in 2020 to keep on growing? It's a valid question. Do you want to keep on growing in 2020? Or as sometimes the kids say, I'm so over that. Are you over that? Are you done growing? Have you done enough growing? I don't know what your age is. I know what my age is, right? Do you ever feel like, well, I've done growing, right? Now I'm just going to stop growing, I guess? Well, we we can't stay where we are. Life is not static. We're either growing towards wholeness or we're growing into greater brokenness. The beginning of a new year is a wonderful time to stop and ask ourselves that question. Am I planning on, to keep on growing this year? And in what ways? Am I going to keep on growing in the same way that Jesus did? If I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm going to want to do what he did and this a summary verse is a verse that takes us from Jesus uh, at the age of 12 or so to the age of 30 or so. This is kind of a summary of his life uh, for maybe 15 years. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and people. So this year, if, number one, write down Jesus grew in wisdom, Jesus grew in wisdom, then we want to ask ourselves, what is my plan to grow? Mentally, emotionally, financially this year. Jesus grew in wisdom in the way that he interacted with people, in the way that he thought, in the way he understand reality. He grew. What is my plan to grow this year mentally, emotionally, financially? Proverbs tells us to be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. And sometimes we don't take that very seriously. God cares about how you think. The Father of Jesus cared about how he thought. Our life is shaped by our thoughts. How are we going to grow in wisdom this year? We're going to look at that in more detail today. Secondly, Jesus grew in stature. Now, some of us don't really want to grow in stature, but stature calls to mind our physical growth. And we want to continue to grow as human beings. Uh, There are changes that come into our lives, are there not, as we grow older. Some of them aren't always pleasant, aren't always joy-giving. As my dad frequently said as he grew older, growing old isn't for sissies. And uh, yet here we are. We're all growing older, and if we're not, Something is deeply, deeply wrong, right? So how are we going to grow physically? What is my plan to grow physically this year? What areas of my physical health, my physical condition uh, can I invest in? Uh, One suggestion is uh, Psalm 127 suggests that we give sleeping a try. Some of us don't sleep well or struggle with sleep how can I grow this year and how I sleep? The things that affect us physically are how we sleep, how we eat, how we move. A wonderful book on physical health by a guy named Tom Rath. Uh, it's called "Eat, Move, Sleep." And it has all kinds of detailed research about how we can grow physically, no matter what our age is. First Corinthians six is a record of Paul asking some questions of his friends in a pretty wild city called Corinth. On the news, uh, several months back, two or three months back, there was a story of a of a, a huge ship that sailed through the Corinthian Isthmus. Say that three times fast. Isthmus, Isthmus, Isthmus. Sounds like Christmas, but, you know, that canal like our Panama Canal that cuts through very close, close proximity to Corinth. And this particular ship that went through had a clearance of only feet, massive ship. I don't know how wide it was. I should have researched. I should have shown you a video of it. But it's passing through the Corinthian isthmus. And there's only, it seems like, feet or inches for this ship to carefully pass through. And he writes to his friends there, Do you not know? Are you not aware that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? What's a temple in the ancient world? A temple in the ancient world was the, the home of a God. He says, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you received from God. Three different ways he describes our bodies. Temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus moved into the neighborhood in John 1 we read. So he's moved into our neighborhood and our physical body. He is in you and you received him from God, which means you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So what's my plan to grow physically this year? So I'm trying to learn and to grow and to do some things different in 2020 than I did in 2019. There are some things I have to do different in 2020 precisely because I'm a year older. And so there's new things for me to be aware of, to think about, uh, new uh, ways for me to, to push myself to grow Physically this year. Do you have any ways that this year you want to grow physically? One of the ways I want to grow. and In years past, I would uh, cut short my my sleep uh, quite often. Uh, And I'm trying uh, with great focus. Over the past uh, maybe almost a year, I've, I've worked very hard to not run a sleep deficit. To not go six hours one night and five hours the next night and four and a half hours the next night, and then you have a sleep deficit and your brain doesn't function, your cognitive uh, ability uh, is diminished. And so I've worked pretty hard to stay, uh, uh, to not go into debt and not overrun my account physically through sleep. And so I'm doing better. I got to work still on uh, things I eat. I got to work very much more now on how I move, how I move. I was concerned to do that with uh, some health concerns I had. Now I don't have those concerns, so I wanna change how I move and make sure that I'm growing in that area. How do you wanna grow? What's your plan to grow physically in greater health this year? Maybe there are some medical things that you need to address that you need to take care of. I I certainly know about that. Number three, Jesus grew in favor with God. He grew in favor with God. Grew closer to God. Our question, what's my plan to grow spiritually this year? Do you have a plan to grow spiritually this year? Without a plan, typically not very much takes place. Do you have a plan to grow spiritually this year? In 2 Peter 3:18, Peter writes that we're to grow. We are to grow in God's grace. Jesus grew. Why on earth would we not? Listen, if Jesus needed to grow, how much more do you and I need to grow in all the ways that we can grow? But some of us have been at the same place in our spiritual lives for days and weeks and months and years and decades. And God wants us to grow and Peter, Jesus' close friend and follower, said, Grow in God's grace and become better acquainted with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How can we grow in our relationship with God? Well, we looked over the course of the holidays at a couple suggestions, right? We can learn to slow down, to be still, to listen, to give thanks. What are the specific habits that you want to invest in, that you want to begin to nurture and cultivate in your life so you grow spiritually this year? Number four, Jesus grew in favor also with people. He grew, grew so to speak, interpersonally. He grew in what we call today emotional IQ, uh, emotional uh, intelligence. Uh, so what is my plan this year to grow Relationally, you might want to give B-groups a try. Pastor Brandon, B-groups launch back up two weeks, two weeks. So let Pastor Brandon know his email address is on the back of our bulletin, as is mine, and let him know you'd be interested in trying out a B-group. If you're a little nervous about being part of a B-group, send him an email and say, I'm a little nervous about being a part of a B-group, and tell him why, so we can learn and grow together. Jesus told us in Matthew 18 that when two or three of you are together because of me, you can be sure that I'll be there among you. One of the reasons we want to connect more deeply with others is because when we do that, Jesus connects more deeply with us. Something very special happens when people gather in the name of Jesus. You can be sure that I will be there among you. So let's back up now. We've had four areas where we want to grow, and we're going to talk in detail about each of these in the coming weeks. And the first one today, Jesus grew in wisdom. So what is my plan to grow mentally, emotionally, and financially this year in my insight, in my wisdom, in my, in my knowledge, in my intellectual capacity? Three suggestions. Three questions. Letter A, do you want to follow Jesus? 2020, do you want to follow Jesus and be liberated by the truth? Do you want to follow Jesus and be liberated by the truth? John 8 records that Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. When we live our lives according to the truth, we're living our lives in alignment with reality. Dallas Willard tells a story of a a, a jet pilot who got confused because of weather problems and didn't rely on the instruments, but relied on just what he could see visually and crashed into a mountain, not knowing that he was flying upside down. In our lives, we can be flying upside down and uh, he calls reality what happens when we run into the truth there are all kinds of things we can believe we live in a an era a culture where people uh, say you know it doesn't matter kind of what you believe as long as you're sincere you know everybody has their own truth you have your truth i have my truth and the passage of scripture that we just read john 8 in the second verse especially you will know the truth and the truth will set you free That is set into concrete, into into brickwork, into stonework in many of the great universities of our land. But Dallas used to point out that that verse is not a verse that comes to us in isolation. You will know the truth as if it was just some abstract thing that we would study on our own and then understand the truth, and the truth will liberate us. But the first verse that comes before it is Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching... You really are my disciples. You see, you and I can say we're disciples of Jesus, but if we don't understand what he's telling us, if we don't live out what he's telling us, we're not really following him. Then we can't claim to be attempting to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Earlier this year, through my health problems and through a misunderstanding with my doctor and with the cardiologist, uh, I understood that I was because of the high blood pressure. I, I was not to exercise until I'd followed up with my cardiologist, which would be in six months from that appointment. Well, he didn't say that, quite. I, I misunderstood what he was saying. I was afraid to exercise, thinking if I walked around the block, my heart might explode or something like that. It wasn't accurate, it wasn't true. It changed how I was living. And I had to discover the truth and investigate further to find out, no, that wasn't true. And it was damaging for my physical health and my emotional health and my spiritual health, my physical health. You've got to know the truth. You've got to know reality. And I feel so different knowing the truth that actually I need to exercise, even in this season of time. And I'm experiencing what Romans calls in Romans 8, uh, that it tells us that with eager hope, creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in the glorious freedom from death and decay. And I feel like since I learned the truth about what was going on with me physically, I'm experiencing something of that liberation that comes, the glorious freedom of the children of God. I want you to have that liberation. Of the truth. So, what's your plan to follow Jesus? To be liberated by the truth, to to enter into the truth. We live into a world where truth seems to be in short supply. Politicians just say what they want to say, what they think maybe we want to hear, but there often isn't backed by the truth. The truth deeply, deeply matters because it determines how we live our lives. Do you want to follow Jesus in 2020? Do you want to be liberated by the truth? We've got to hold to his teaching and become an authentic follower of Jesus. Then letter B. Do you want your mind to be shaped by God's word? Do you want your mind to be shaped by God's word? You and I, even when we become Christians, can still retain thoughts that are distorted or confused or flat-out wrong. One of my life verses is Ezra 7.10. I ran across it reading the Bible uh, sort of randomly in a, in a little bit of a dry section of Scripture for me at that time, Ezra 7. And I, this verse just jumped out to me about Ezra. It says that Ezra had set his heart to, to, to do three things, to study the law of the Lord, to study God's word and to practice it and to teach his wisdom and insights to God's people, to do three things. If you want your mind to be shaped by God's word, I would encourage you to study God's word, to, to read it on a regular basis, but even to study it more deeply, to get to know it more clearly. But then it says also, and to practice it. See, we can know a lot up here, but God wants the truth to kind of descend the 12 inches between our brain and our heart and our body and the truth to begin to be lived out in our lives. Jesus taught us in the Sermon on the Mount that we spent months and months last year studying. He he ends that Sermon on the Mount with giving us a picture of two kinds of people, a wise person and a foolish person. The wise person builds his life upon a rock. The foolish person builds her life on the sand. And we, some of us learned that little song in Sunday school growing up, right? But we don't always know the point of that story. And Jesus says that that rock is those who hear my words and do them those who hear my words and do them and put them into practice, those who respond to God's voice, like Eli telling young Samuel when he hears late at night a voice he doesn't recognize, speaking his name in love and affection, Samuel, Samuel. And Eli told him to respond, to say, go back and lay down. If you hear that voice, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening There's a response that takes place when we read God's word. If we read God's word and read God's word over and over and over, over a long season of time, and never change anything about our lifestyle, anything about the way that we approach our lives, anything that we do in terms of how we think of or treat other people, something is deeply, deeply wrong. We want to study God's word. We want to then practice it. And then third, if you really want your mind to be shaped by God's word, teach it to someone else. Find someone else who would like to grow and teach them. Find a younger person. Some of you have grandkids or great-grandkids. Some of you have nieces or nephews. Some of you have kids who live around you. Teach it. When When I teach God's word, I have to study to kind of understand it more deeply for myself before I can teach it for someone else. And I suspect many times, I'm not sure some, anybody gets anything out of my message, but I do. And that's good. That's good enough for me. I, I hope other people do. But many times, I'm speaking to my own heart. I'm speaking to myself. I'm trying to kind of share with other people what God has spoken to me. And when we teach it, we have to understand it in a different way. Study it. In 2020. Put it into practice. Teach it to other people. And a third suggestion about our minds, growing in wisdom. And that's this. Are you willing to invest time and effort to gain wisdom? Are you willing to invest time and effort to gain wisdom? Now, I love to study. I love to study God's Word. I love to study uh, from other people who understand God's Word in a deep way. So one of the books I've been reading over Christmas was a Christmas gift by a scholar that I have great regard for. His name was Larry Hurtado. He just went to be with the Lord. He was a professor, uh, actually had retired as a professor at the University of Edinburgh, Scotland, which was interesting because he was actually born in Missouri. So here's a guy. Kid born in Missouri and, got, and went to an unaccredited Bible college and then started to teach, got his doctorate, started to teach at University of Manitoba in Canada, taught at Regent College uh, in Vancouver, and then became a, a very uh, prestigious uh, prof- professorial position at the University of Edinburgh, and became a scholar who wrote very very significant and weighty books. This isn't representative of most of his books. Most of his books are quite a bit bigger than this. His magnum opus, if you will, his kind of masterpiece, is 900 pages. And he has kind of condensed his thought in a little simple book. Uh, One reviewer calls it The Pocket Hurtado. Uh, And in it, he says this about studying the origins of how people came to worship Jesus in the early church because there are some people who suggest or who theorize that Jesus wasn't God, that Jesus was sort of pronounced as God decades or centuries after his time on earth. And he has done extremely careful historical work. He's not primarily a theologian. he's primarily a historian of the uh, ancient world. And he tells us that already in Paul's undisputed letters in the New Testament, which are dated around 50 to 60 B.C., the earliest existing Christian texts, we see a developed pattern of worship in which Jesus is evoked and acclaimed as the Lord of the gathered worship circle, the agent of God's creation of the world, and the uniquely exalted figure to whom all of creation is to obey. Moreover, in these letters, these things are not so much taught as they are presumed as already familiar to Paul's intended readers. And he quotes another well-known scholar, Professor Martin Hengel from Germany, who said that the time between the death of Jesus, around 30 AD, the time between the death of Jesus and the fully developed Christology that we find in the earliest Christian documents, which are the letters of Paul, They actually were written before the Gospels even though they come sequentially in our English Bibles after them. The letters of Paul, that time, that gap is so short that the development which takes place within it can only be called amazing. The elapsed time in question is a scant 20 years. So as he studies the worship that people Give to Jesus as recorded in the New Testament. He is saying, along with many other scholars, that it was amazingly early and explosively rapid in development. He says, in essentials, more happened in Christology within these few years, it's actually 18 years, than in the whole subsequent 700 years of church history. This worship given to Jesus that we see in the New Testament happened within a period of no more than 18 years. And he says, actually, initially, the worship of Jesus as Lord emerged within the first few months or years at most after Jesus' execution. Well, 18 years, that takes us back to 2002. Anybody... Remember anything that happened in 2002? How about go back a year? Remember anything that happened in 2001? Does that seem a long, long time ago? Imagine that Jesus died only that long before now and now we're recollecting it. Well, that changes how we think of Scripture. That changes how we think of the reality of who Jesus is shown to be in the New Testament. So, I just say that to say, I'm reading his little book. I have his other books, the big, thick books. And uh, I'm starting with the little book because I got it for Christmas. So, well worth reading. Proverbs puts it like this. It says that wisdom doesn't just fall off the shelf. Wisdom, you have to take the book off the shelf and you have to open the book. To, to, To have wisdom, you've got to seek understanding. And there's a sequence that I remember my Old Testament professor, Bruce Waltke, uh, teaching when we studied um, the book of Proverbs over the course of three years, uh, three months, excuse me. Wow, let me go back. It's a new year. I'm still processing. Three weeks. That, that sounded a little grandiose there. Three weeks, uh, and he has uh, since written kind of the, the best commentary on Proverbs that comes in about this thick, two volumes, But he talked about the progression and the effort to learn and to grow. And not everybody has to learn by books. It's one means of growing. But all of us want to grow in wisdom, and Proverbs is all about wisdom. And so the advice of a parent to a child, it could be a son or a daughter. Here it's a son, and it says, my son, if you accept. And just look at the verbs and how they increase in intensity. My son, if you accept my words. Okay, yeah, sure. Sure, you, you said it, so sure, I accept it. And you store up my commands within you. Now that's more than accepting. Now it's storing up. Now that involves some memorization and some reflection, right? Storing up my commands within you. Turning your ear to wisdom. That's going out of my way to pay attention when I sense wisdom is coming. Applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, now it really intensifies. If you call out for insight, and you cry aloud for understanding, Lord, help me understand. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. It gets more intense, verse 4. And if you look for it as for silver, <laughs> and you search for it as for hidden treasure, that takes some effort. There's some shows on TV about panning for gold and difficult places, right? Right? Look for it as for silver. Search for it as for hidden treasure. Then, circle that word, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Then you will find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. It comes from him. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Do you want wisdom? Greater wisdom in your life? Greater knowledge? Greater understanding? Verse 7, he holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. He guards the course of the just and protects. He protects the way of his faithful ones. Then, second time, then, circle it, then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path. Do you want to know the right way to live? You'll learn the, the good path, every one of them, if you gain wisdom. Do you want to understand what is right, what is just, what is fair? Let me ask you this. Do you feel like we live in a time, in an era, in a culture where everything that is done around us is right? And just? And fair? I don't think we do. I don't think our culture has very much wisdom, but I don't think the followers of Jesus have have demonstrated our commitment to gaining wisdom, the time and the effort. Then you'll understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path for wisdom will enter your heart. It'll become part of you, not just something you hear and you learn. It'll be part of your heart. It'll enter your heart. Knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you. Understanding will guard you. How are you going to grow mentally, intellectually, cerebrally this year? What's your plan? Without a plan, it doesn't happen. Without a plan, we won't be growing mentally. We won't be growing in wisdom. I don't think any of us are planning not to grow. How are we going to grow mentally this coming year? Living God, we believe that our lives will be different if you grant us greater wisdom, if you increase our knowledge, if you help us to grow in understanding. Show us that path. Help us to make plans right now that 2020 will be different from the years previous and that people will look back at us and say he kept on growing she kept on growing she had a commitment to grow to learn just like jesus we ask this in the name of jesus and the power of the holy spirit all god's children said amen Can you do a favor for me can you turn to someone else and say may you have a wonderful wonderful 2020 may god bless you and make you a blessing in 2020.